Bayan. Welcome back to the program. I'm really excited because the last time you came to record, which was my first episode, the booth looked very different. Yeah, it was. I'm glad to be here, Ashley. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It was uh, it was a fun little foam shack back then. It's you have quite the sophisticated. I mean, we sound upgraded, booth here. Right? I mean, this right? is pretty incredible. <laughs> These velvet chairs are beautiful. You like how we went from Amazon boxes with uh, foam stapled <laughs> to the inside <laughs> around the mics to like a full on build out. This is the real deal. Yeah. Is, I feel very I felt uh, like professional. It was, I felt like it was kind of a like indicator of of like where the podcast was going to go. We were going to start small and then we were going to immediately go to professional <laughs> equipment and a podcast booth. I love it. I love it. The, the stories that you've had on the season are just incredible. So yeah, the, you guys the, have done a great job. The guests have been amazing. It's been, uh, it's been quite, I think we have like, I think, I don't know, I don't, Christiana deals with like what we call the episodes, but like if the the things, the episodes that have been published, I think they're like 51. That's uh, incredible. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so. I just talk. So Christiana is the one that has like all the magical powers. She, yeah, she organizes everything. Job. Yeah, she yeah. does. She's a superhero. Yep. It's true. Yeah. So, okay. So you shared your story. I sure did. And <laughs> you sure. Everybody knows now. Yeah. Okay. So t- <laughs> cat's out of the bag. Cat is so out of the bag. It's just out a little the bit. Cat now it's is like breathing <laughs> out of the bag. <laughs> so, um, can you, what was that like having your story at like, because you were the first one to do it and it was. Like, yeah, what I guess I had forgotten that, um, or maybe I didn't know that. I have no idea, but it was, um, it was an interesting experience. I think as soon as it went live and it was live, and I sort of like told my family, and I have full disclosure, I'm not a huge podcast follower, like, I'm a lot of my friends make fun of me because I'm sort of like a grandma with technology. And so I didn't really know how to access podcasts or like what they were. <laughs> Yet I was on one. Yeah. So when I shared with my family. I am on the podcast. <laughs> right. The only one? one out there. The right. one. The podcast. So I have a sister-in-law who works in news and she was, she's very hip to a lot of this stuff. And she was just explaining to me how that was a really big deal. And so (laughs) I realized all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, like this is really out there, like out there, out there. I didn't realize how um, accessible (laughs) this information. I mean, I was, I'm fine with it. I'm an open book, but it began to note to self, work on preparation notes. Correct. (laughs) Disclosure. (laughs) By the way, this will be heard by anyone anywhere. (laughs) So probably better I didn't know that beforehand because then, you know, I just just shared my story without hesitation. And I had some really great feedback. I mean, really moving feedback. I had people reach out to me who I went to college Mm -hmm, with, who mm -hmm. I you know, we were acquaintances, but, you know, just tell me how moved they were by the story. And they were just, um, you know, motivated and impressed. And then I went home this past summer and we had a hundredth birthday party for my dad and brother combined, um, 70 years old and 30 years old. And so anyways, we had all these family friends come over and people who I hadn't seen in a long time. They're like, Oh, I heard your podcast. I heard your podcast. Your podcast was great. And I'm thinking, what? So, um, yeah, it was really cool. It was, it's, it's just, it's really wonderful to know that 
the stories of recovery are reaching people yeah. wherever they are. That's the most important lesson out of it. So when I look at like the analytics of it, you can see what countries people are listening in. And so I'll look at the map and like you can see like my story, you know, like someone in Guam and someone, you know, someone cool someone that? in China. And But it is very cool. But I'm also like picturing the situation of me my voice talking to someone in like a small village somewhere. <laughs> True. <laughs> and just like everything I'm saying, I'm like, God, you know. Well, they say the details might be different, but the experience, like the yeah. feelings are the same. Yeah. No, I mean, culturally, I'm sure it's a yeah special thing, but it's really funny to see like, oh, wow. Totally. This is definitely spreading to other places. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> It is out That's there. That's exciting, though. That's really exciting yeah. to yeah, be able been. to reach people all over the world, literally. Yeah, it's been really cool. It's been, and, and I, too, had people reach out who I hadn't talked to in a long time. Uh, I still have that, people reaching out who, you know, they, I haven't talked to in 10, 15, 20 yep. years, yep. and they reach out or their parents reach out to discuss, because I, you know, this is not a rare <laughs> problem no. that we have. And I think that um, it's not talked about that much. Well, it, you know, I take that back. I think it is talked about. I think that, you know, I don't know, you you talk to people about their, like at the worst part of their addiction every single day. So yeah. one thing that's coming up that I'm hearing constantly and I keep reframing it for people is people, I say to them, it's a progressive fatal brain disease, right? Mm -hmm. It's a progressive fatal brain disease, blah, 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 blah. There's science to back it up. It's a, you know, it's an actual, it meets all the criteria for a disease, right? And then people's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And I'm just tired of their BS and their bad behavior and them drinking themselves. And maybe they just need to, you know, and like all these derogatory and all these terms and words that indicate to me that they do not understand what I just said. Right. Or they do or or maybe not what I just said, or they do not understand that what we're dealing with, like even if they say they understand, right. they're still judging that person based on a normal person's behavior. Yep. Well, if, I feel like it's either that, like they're either, you know, labeling or blaming the person for the behavior and not necessarily looking at the fact that this is a condition and a disease that they struggle with, however, you know, you want to frame that, or it doesn't exist at all. They just ignore it, you know, like they don't want to bring light to it. It's an embarrassment. We don't talk about it. It doesn't exist. You know, I feel like it's one of, you know, one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think where, where we, where I'd like to see us get is, you know, if you say, if I tell you that I'm schizophrenic, your understanding of that is likely that there is something in my brain telling me to do something or to see things or whatever it is, depending on, you know, what the situation is, that is out of my control. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there's an empathy there. Yeah. There's a sense of empathy when someone is schizophrenic. I mean, obviously that scares a lot of people, but at the same time, there's a sense of empathy for, oh my gosh, how crazy. But an alcoholic has that same voice. Right. You know, that voice happens to be their voice, not right. someone else's voice, but there's still a voice telling them to do things. And it's loud. And I, I, I think that 
what I've seen, even after talking to people after, you know, doing this podcast, is that even the people that I think really understand or are supposed to understand or claim to understand are still having a hard time not labeling the alcoholic addict as bad or, or with derogatory terms. Right, right. I think it's a tough thing. I think it's sort of like I will never be able to wrap my brain around how normal pe- people drink normally. I don't understand that that sensation that doesn't, you know. Trigger. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I mean, obviously there isn't the judgment or the fear around it that people have when, you know, when they look at somebody who who's an alcoholic. But it's like I'll never be able to understand that. But I do think that we can get educated and we can open our ears and listen and open our hearts to the idea that, this is not something that we can control. There are steps that we can take, you know, mm-hmm. to learn new tools and understand why it is that when, you know, this particular thing happens, we want to pick up a drink and, you know, we lose the choice after picking up that first right. drink. Like train is leaving the station. <laughs> train has left the station, <laughs> yeah. set on high speed, right. and Keanu Reeves is not available to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's true. It's it's really true. Well, and I think the only way to to begin to shift the dialogue around this stuff is exactly what you're doing with the podcast. And I know it was interesting. At um, I got married this past fall, Woo-hoo. and yeah, very exciting. And at the wedding, I had some friends ask me afterwards about it. But at the wedding, there was a lot of talk, public speeches, you yeah, know, yeah, from yeah. family members. Oh, yeah surrounding you were there yeah surrounding my recovery our recovery yeah. my husband and my recovery and there was just this element of support love you know compassion for our recovery and I had friends who are not in recovery ask me because they don't they're not in the the recovery yeah. scene so to speak ask me if I was okay with all of the talk about my recovery like oh did that embarrass you and you know, of course it didn't. I would not I would not have been able to get married and be where I where right, I am today right. if it weren't for my recovery. Right. So it's that belief that it's embarrassing. Right. And and of course, like they don't know they're coming at it from a place of wanting to protect you. Right. Right. Like make sure you're okay. But the idea is that society thinks that that's embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's that's just it. And that it's something that, you know, that shouldn't be openly discussed or right. talked about. And even if you are in recovery, well, we don't talk about it because that means you had a problem. And if you had a problem. Right. Oh, God, what does that mean? Right. You know. Yeah. Like if someone survived leukemia or or, you know, had a really complicated, you know, diabetes yep. situation that would stop them from getting married and then it, w- be, it went into remission, that probably would, and allowed you to get married, that probably would be something that would be discussed openly. Absolutely. Right? So it's like, why is it? Why is there so much shame around it? I mean, you know, so I think, because, you know, obviously we did really embarrassing stuff. So, I mean, I do get that. We did stuff that was less than ladylike. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's for sure. That stuff. But but when we talk about recovery, what we're saying is I drank too much. I'm not I'm not saying you know or that when I drink I can't stop drinking or when I use I can't stop using. When I say I'm in recovery, I'm not giving you the details of my story. Now apparently you can look that up on my podcast. But <laughs> but, right. but when we're talking about it, like like I'm not telling you the embarrassing stuff. So just saying I'm in recovery, it's interesting that 
the reaction that you get out of, you know, yeah, get it's from like, that. like, that's embarrassing. It's like, right. no, no, no. <laughs> you want embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Hold give, on to your hat. Give hats. me an hour. Yeah, exactly. Hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so it, it, interesting, like, yeah, that, like, why the recovery is not embarrassing. <laughs> it's the other stuff that's, uh, you know, that's embarrassing. But, yeah, I thought it was amazing to see your family really acknowledge and publicly that the, that the reason that this is happening is because of your recovery and that you're a family, it, the family participates in your recovery and supports your recovery and supports Josh's recovery and just a deep understanding of how that is front and center in a positive way in your life. Absolutely. I mean, we even had catering staff come up to us the next day saying how moved they were by the the feeling of support and the stories that were told mm-hmm. during the speeches. I mean, it's just, that's the incredible thing. I think when you begin to talk about recovery and you begin to talk about your struggles and how you can, you know, there, there is hope and you can rise up, uh, you know, above beyond the things that you may have held on to as shameful or, or embarrassing and be able to find, you know, freedom from all that stuff. Being able to share that kind of thing it begins to just shift how yeah. we look at at all of this. And I think it really I think it really should bring about more compassion if people were to look at it that way. That this is a person who's struggling and there is hope and there's yeah. help out there. Yeah. But during you know, we don't we don't need to judge them through that no. process. It was interesting. I was just back east for a school thing and I went out to dinner with these very powerful, you know, em- empowered businesswomen and um, all, you know, 40 and above. And uh, I'm sitting at the table and I'm mostly trying to observe and just kind of get a feel for what's going on. And, you know, I don't know these people and they start talking about wine and different alcohols and times to drink and like, I don't know, everything that goes on with normal 6 people. 6 a.m. <laughs> Exactly. So ex- Obviously. Exactly why I'm not saying anything. So they're talking about all this stuff, right? And I'm I'm quiet. Like I'm fully like observing like what it is that they're talking about and how like, you know, important and oh, I was allergic to this, but now I just drink what, you know, whatever. And uh, I was like, "Wait, why would you stop because you're allergic?" Yeah. You just okay. Um so So then they're talking about vodka and one of the women is Russian. She's from Moscow. And they're talking about like she's like, well, I really like nice vodka. And so I'm like, here's, you know, I'm going to make a joke. So I I go, (laughs) (laughs) I go, I go, um, oh, ha ha, you guys aren't drinking Popov? (laughs) And silence. They, did they even know they what that was? They didn't know what Popov was. The joke landed flat. You can only bring up plastic handles oh. in front of other alcoholics, God, it I was think. so <laughs> embarrassing. And I literally just was like, and we're going to be quiet. <laughs> literally, they're like, oh, I don't know. That's that. the best when you try and sort yeah. of tell a recovery type joke. Not a recovery joke, but even, an alcoholic yeah. joke in front of people they who aren't even alcoholics. Know I'm, but they don't even know I'm in recovery. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like right. making a joke, right? right? And I, I like, and me thinking, like who doesn't know what Popov is? I used to drink that stuff like water. Right. And they, the Russian woman had no idea what what Popov was. And I was like, oh yeah, I have no, I I am not able to participate in this conversation (laughs) at all. Like not 
at all. There's nothing I can say that is going to like add. I'm not as familiar with the top shelf liquor as I am the. <laughs> and just like the way they talked about it, right. it was like it was very clear to me that they were talking. It was very clear to me in that moment of like, oh yeah. I'm not the same as you. <laughs> the joke didn't land very well. The joke didn't land. I didn't know what they were saying. You know, they were talking about the way, like, there was, like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. Yeah, they were talking about, like, you know, oh, a glass a night of this type. It's like, well. Yeah. Yeah, just stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I can't participate. Um, I can't participate in, in a in way this that's, conversation. that's engaging. Like, okay, yeah. Next next topic. <laughs> Can I try again? <laughs> I won't make any pop off jokes. God damn it! Oh, so so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, trying to like reintegrate. So you know, you were talking about like being familiar and being able to talk about recovery and talk about your, you know, all these stuff. And I'm so used to that from this and from working in my family and blah, blah, blah. And like I go into these professional, like big healthcare situations and I, I'm getting really good, but it is so hard for me to talk like a normal human being without like being like, well, that'd be great with a meth rock and right. a, you know, like, 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 I'm so, I'm so hard for me not to do that. And it is literally, I mean, people, I feel like, I felt like people talk like robots. Like they talk, you know, they like. I've made those jokes in, in social oh. settings with, you know, family, yeah, friends yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. about just you yeah. know, egregious things. Egregious. And they, they look at me shocked. Yeah. Like totally. mouths on the floor. I'm uh-huh. like, no, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> exactly. It's funny to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> when you're on this side of it. No, no it's, it's funny. funny. We can no, laugh about it. This is funny. It. Yeah. yeah. Like what you're saying is boring. Right. And this is actually funny. Yeah. No, it was kind of, it was kind of, it was a lot like that. Yeah. It was a lot like that. Oh my God. It was like, wow, I'm, I got to work on this like normal person talk. <laughs> Whew, it is a lot of work. Yeah. I got to not say things all the time. Just, you know, it's like I, I have a word limit. Otherwise, it starts to just come out, seep out. <laughs> just like. Um, okay. So enough about that. How. Okay. A lot of people talk about the holidays being mm-hmm. a difficult time of year to yeah. stay sober. I find most days of the year. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many opportunities to to struggle to stay sober. Yeah, exactly. But I do. Yeah. yeah. Monday is a really tough day. I think one day that I find that I just literally stopped celebrating because I just find it to be obnoxious and not in line with anything and not fun, frankly, was, is New Year's. Yeah. Um, for me, New Year, and, and luckily my husband's saying, we, we just don't, we just don't, we actually stay home. We watch oh, yeah. a movie in bed. Not that, not that that's not what I was we, asleep at 10.30 yeah, last, yeah. last and, year. But we used to try really hard, like for a lot of my sobriety, I would try to go out because yeah. I felt like that's what you're supposed to do. And I would try to go and celebrate and like integrate with the drinking crowd and have my glass of, you know, uh, what's it called? Martinelli's and celebrate and blah, blah, blah. And right. like, the later I'm up, the worse my judgment is. I'm tired. Yeah. And that is one holiday that like if you enjoy it, great. 
then, you know, you set up a plan. Maybe you have some sober people with right. you. You know, you protect yourself depending on how long you've been sober and, and you know, what your purpose is for being there. But to those of you who who don't particularly like it and, and see that it's just an opportunity to drink, feel free to not go. Right. I think you really, in your recovery, you really, and just in life, honestly, I think you have to just listen to yourself. Yeah. I, I've gotten more and more self-aware as time has gone on. And and self-awareness isn't necessarily the answer, but it's the action that we take as a result of self-awareness and not ignoring the signs that, you know, our body or whatever is telling us. So I know for the first couple of years in my recovery, I did a lot of the social stuff because I was in this world. I was in between these two kind of worlds, right? So I'd come from this world of crazy partying all the time, mm-hmm. you know, staying out and maybe up 24 hours or you know, whatever, it, it just up all the time out, you know, New Year's consisted of just, you know, insane parties. Obliterated. Right. And so you go from that to, okay, we don't drink anymore, but you're but like, st- what do you do? Like, right. we're we just going to watch the ball. Like what's happening? Right. I felt very caught in between. Okay. I still want to have fun, but right. I think you just have to be careful because you know, the first couple of years I went to, I think the first year I was sober, I stayed, you know, stayed close with some friends that I had met out here in California. And then as I got a bit more comfortable, I went to, you know, out to a party at a restaurant, you know, where there's alcohol and all that stuff and lots of drinking of Red Bull. And, Mm -hmm. but I could tell that I was there and seeking, like, it was fun, but I had to pay very close attention to my intentions. Yeah. So am I here because I'm seeking out that same kind of high that I got from those environments that are potentially, you know, potentially triggering? And so as time went on and as I got more and more secure in myself and my recovery, I realized, like, I actually have no interest in being in, like, bars on a holiday like that. I don't want to stay up until midnight. And if I do, like my intentions usually aren't very good. And the later I, like you said, you know, your inhibitions start, you know, as you get yeah. more tired, yeah. I would start to notice alcohol more. Yeah. I'd start yeah. to notice people drinking more. All of a sudden I was like, oh, it starts to look kind of sexy again. And that's when you- <laughs> as people are going downhill, right. we're like, wow, that looks so good. <laughs> I want I want to be passed yeah. out in a, yeah, exactly. at a 65 degree angle like, exactly. like that girl. She looks uncomfortable but it also looks so fun. She's <laughs> about to make some really bad decisions. Yeah. She's partying really hard. That is why she can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> I am jealous. Right. Immediately. Yeah, no, it's true. I it it you know, I I think of people who like you're the wife. This is your first year sober. And your husband is like, well, we always go to the Johnson's party. Right. And I can't go by myself. Like, what is that? You know, then they're going to think something's wrong. And then I'm going to have to tell them that you went to rehab and, you know, whatever. And, like, you have to come. And then I'm, you know, this woman who's who's like, oh, God, you know, what do I do? Right. You know, and. I always have a plan. Like I always, even now when I go into what, whether it's, you know, because holidays are difficult. I, I think, I mean, like we said, there are a lot of times that are difficult, but for me, I think families can, I love my family, but they can also be frustrating and triggering mm-hmm. and can bring up a lot of stuff for people. The energy around the holidays, there's a lot of, like, despite it being a happy, joyful time, it can be stressful. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, stuff happening. And 
I can get overwhelmed very easily. And um, stuff can, if I'm not doing the stuff to take care of myself, life can feel unmanageable very quickly, even when it shouldn't. So I think just when, when it comes to like holiday parties, things like that, I think going in with a plan, like I typically have a plan of I'll stay for 45 minutes and I'll check in with myself. If I'm good and I feel like my intentions to be there are still good, I'll continue to have a good time for another half an hour. I'll see where I am, you know, after an hour and a half. So I think just checking in and knowing that, okay, at 45 minutes, if I'm not having a good time or things are feeling a little funky or I'm like noticing that maybe some spiked eggnog looks good, I'm going to hightail it out of there and make (laughs) – that sounds terrible. Yeah, I was going to say, you know you're really (laughs) struggling. (laughs) Wow, leave immediately. If you ever want to drink, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Seek help. Seek help immediately. <laughs> yeah, for an eggnog right. desire lasting more than ten <laughs> seconds. It just felt like the most appropriate holiday spirit. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, but you know, it's like if you feel your. I always, I always kind of call it sideways. If I feel myself going a little sideways, it's like get out of there. Call somebody. I know that despite my family being a super supportive family of the recovery now, like they're not in recovery the same way that I am. Yeah. They don't really get the feeling. So I have to talk to people who are like, I have to make those phone calls, reconnect, speak that language to feel grounded again. Yeah. No, for sure. What type of plan, like what's your plan look like in a situation like that? Like, okay, I'm going to stay for 45 minutes. And then if I'm feeling sideways, I do what? I, you know, if I'm there with husband, whoever I'm there with or the, ho- you know, whoever it is that I'm connected to there, I say, hey, and I always come up with a plan with like a family member beforehand okay. saying, if I'm not comfortable, I'm going to let you know, like Pineapple Express at 45 minutes. That's my keyword. All right. I'm out of here. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. Pineapple Express yeah. means I'm high talent. Like you can stay. But you're also, we're going to come up with a plan of, oh, you know, she had to get whatever. Her stomach wasn't feeling right. She had to get over to another party. She had plans with a friend. It doesn't matter, but we come up with a plan ahead of time if I'm showing up with somebody and, you know, come up with that plan that they're going to support me in that. Right. If they want me to go to that party with them. And if I'm just there by myself, it's, you know... Thanks so much for having Pineapple me. Express. Pineapple Express. <laughs> Pineapple Express out of this. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's the thing that people people overthink explaining they're not drinking oh, and explaining yeah. why they have to leave. No is no is a complete sentence. Right. Um, and you don't have to explain, you know, you can say, I don't like the way that alcohol makes me feel. I'm deciding to be super healthy. I don't like the calories that alcohol has. It doesn't matter. You can come up with anything. And the only people who think more about that answer are people who have drinking problems themselves. <laughs> totally. So. Totally. Do, what would you do in a situation if your husband was not supportive of you having a plan to leave? Before or after I show up? Well, let's say before. I may, I may not go. I may tell him, you know what, if you're not going to, if you're not willing to support me and my plan for my recovery and the things I need to do to take care of myself, then I'm not going to go. What would you do if it happened there? I think in that case, what I would do is advocate for myself, which can be really hard, I think, in early recovery. I know for myself, like I struggle with codependency and people pleasing and all that stuff. But when I I know and I feel fully secure in that if I have a drink, like we're we're all in serious trouble at this party. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
Like, you don't, nobody wants to know where that's going to go. Also, especially, I always think to myself, like, I also don't have to drink very much because I haven't had a drink in a really long time. So, like, if I have a drink, we are, it is DEFCON 1. It is all in. It's going to be so bad. Oh, it's going to be so bad. I'm going to be drunk in, like, half a second. Right. So, I I know that. So, I know that it's. For me, it's life, you know, it's life yeah. or death. So I know that that I'm, I need to do what I need to do to take care of myself. That, look, if he doesn't support me, I'm just going to say I'm, you know, yeah. I'm sorry that they, you yeah. don't want me to leave, but I'm, I'm leaving. And then I need to call my support system because you can't just, like, head out and have some yeah. tension like yeah, that. Yeah. That tension's not comfortable. We have to have some people that you can call and just say, man, my boyfriend, husband's being a dick. Okay. A duck. <laughs> being a little duck. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So you you have to have, and then, I mean, I I go I go to meetings over the holidays. I find you know wherever I'm going, I I find meetings to go to. Yeah, before um, you go there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Before, after I can leave to go there. Like, that's yeah. also a really good plan is let's say your party, you're going to stay at that party from 7 to 845, 8 o'clock. I'm going to find a meeting to go to, you yeah, know, maybe that's actually a really good idea that it, which is you have a plan so that like if you know that you are only going to want to stay 45 minutes, then you have a plan mm-hmm. like I can only stay 45 minutes and I am going to like meet up with so-and-so or I'm going to ha- – I have like an actual plan so that you don't feel pressured right. to stay because you've already committed to something after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's it's hard to be honest with you. It's hard for me to remember some of that stuff from the really early days. Yeah. But I, I know that, it, you know, honest, I remember Friday nights were such a struggle. Like, I didn't know. I was like, what do people do? Yeah. What do you do? I, For some reason, Saturday nights, less so. Mm-hmm. But Friday nights, there was something about Friday night and it Wrapping would roll around. Week, like, yeah, yeah. And I, when I was first sober and I remember going, like, being terrified of Friday night. Like, ah, this is unmanageable. Yeah. Um, and if I found myself at home, like doing nothing, I was like, I had to be surrounded by people at the beginning. Like at the beginning, it's kind of like distraction, distraction company. Yep. Because I had a very hard time just like being on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people who turn to drugs, alcohol, substances, whatever is a solution, you know, to whatever it is in their lives. It's at the core of it, I think, is like just a, I don't know, discomfort in our own skin. Like, yeah. ah, I don't yeah. know, the thought of that. <laughs> So yeah. I, I know how that feels. And so left to my own devices, I think any of us can, you know, left to our own devices, we can get in trouble. So I think the beginning you have to just distract yourself and find find people who are supportive of your, you know, recovery. And even like, I don't know, you can there's so many hobbies out there, which I didn't know. I never had interest in finding <laughs> hobbies when I was drinking. <laughs> but there's so many things that you can do out there that don't involve drinking, you know. Who knew? Right. It's crazy. What are some of the ways that you've dealt with like, or maybe you haven't had this, but like family members, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of people where the holidays like Christmas dinner and like Christmas Eve and, and maybe traditions or being around family that's drinking and struggling to have the conversation or stand up for themselves because – 
their new behavior is, is is such a deviation from what everyone is used to. Right. And so, yes, like no is a complete sense, but also they have been acting a certain way and mm-hmm. now they're acting very differently. Mm-hmm. Like when someone is like always drinking, 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 and then one day they're like, oh, actually, I'm not drinking right now. It's hard to not be, have any explanation because it's it's to the other person, it's very strange. Right. So those types of situations where, you know, you're kind of, you're new, you, you don't know how to talk about it. It was not strange for me. Well, yeah. when I wasn't drinking, people were like, thank God, because <laughs> I mean, my I, my drinking wasn't at the place where it was like, oh, that's strange. Susie usually has a glass of wine at dinner. It was like, thank God she's not passed out at the dinner table. Yeah, you right, know, I right. mean, it was so it was so, and I was just rude and obnoxious and either not there or if I was there, I was causing a scene. I mean, the holidays that I ruined are countless, and so I don't think that it was. To that degree, like, huh, why aren't you drinking? It right. was a relief, I think, to most people because um, <laughs> there wasn't some big dramatic, you know, show. Event. Yeah. But I think I think for people who whose behavior, you know, maybe it's a new thing for distant family members yeah. or something. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with just simply telling people I don't feel like drinking. I, I didn't like the way that made me feel. Or if you're comfortable enough, I mean, you know, if, if you, that is if you don't want to talk about the fact that you're in recovery. I happen to, when people ask me that now, I just tell them I'm in recovery. I feel like that's a much easier answer For than sure. making something up. <laughs> For sure. I'm like, well, I don't want to think of some excuse. It's like, look, I'm in recovery. You know, I'm, I'm sober. Yeah. Um, I don't like the way that, you know, alcohol caused a lot of problems in my life. Um, and I've decided that I don't want to drink anymore. Yeah. So... I think, and surely if you want to shut somebody up real quick, especially somebody who's not familiar with recovery, it's going to do one of two things. They're going to not ask you any more questions. Yeah. Or they're going to empathize and, you know, and say like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I know somebody or I, exactly, you know. Exactly. They'll either be quiet quickly or. Yeah. 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 um, You know, one thing I noticed that's hard about saying, there are times where I don't bring up that I'm in recovery in situation, particularly professional situations. The reason being that it takes the focus, it puts the focus onto me. Right. If it's so like if we're in a group setting and they're passing around drinks and they hand it to me and I say, no, I'm sober, 10, you know, 14, 15, whatever it is. Right. And I've immediately taken the focus off of what everyone else is doing and put it directly on me. Right. People Spotlight, f- uncomfortable. Yeah. People yeah. have feel obligated to ask questions. Right. They feel obligated to say good job. They feel obligated that now they feel, you know, so like there are situations where I'm very cognizant of like, oh, I'm just not drinking tonight. Totally. Because otherwise the focus is going to be turned to my recovery and that moment, whatever that moment is, isn't a good time for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think that there are times and places for it. And, you know, if if family settings is appropriate, great. But professional settings, I totally understand that because, I mean, there are so many other ways that you can explain away, you know, why you're not drinking. I mean, we live in California, for God's sake. I mean, it's one of the healthiest places yeah. people, you know, yeah. Yeah. people are juicing and all this other stuff. That's an easy thing. And then for, I mean, for anybody, it's, 
I think there's a new wave of non-drinkers. There yeah. are, you know, sober bars now. Yep. Um, sober curious. Sober, right. Yeah. There, there are lots of, you know, there are lots of reasons to not drink. I'm allergic to it or, man, hangovers get worse as you get older. Am I right? I yeah. I mean, <laughs> anybody can yeah. relate to that or, yeah. you know, just I just don't feel like it. And people... People, I think, again, the only people who, who are going to push you are people who generally have an abnormal relationship to alcohol themselves. Mm-hmm. Most people are going to be like, okay, cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the other thing is the people who are really uncomfortable drinking because you're not drinking, like they need everyone else to be drinking. Yeah. Those are typically the people who are struggling with some sort of problem. Right. Not always, but but generally the person who is super uncomfortable because you're they feel like they're drinking by themselves that right you know at, because they typically because they have to drink and they have no camouflage mm-hmm. because they can't just say oh nobody else is drinking i'm not going to right Right. Um, and I know because I've been that person. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely been that yeah. person. I do not want to be the only one standing out who's like taking, totally. you know, shots yeah. right after work at five o'clock. It's like. Right. Right. Like, you, come on, guys. Right. You're it's the one trying to rally everybody to. <laughs> yeah. It's Wednesday. To take a Let's Monday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say to take a Monday right. night to, yeah. to uh, the extreme. So, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, there, there are so many ways to go about it. And I think coming up with that plan and what your response is going to be ahead of time is certainly really helpful because then you're not feeling sort of flooded at the moment to come up with something. It brings out the issue of or the the piece of recovery that is so paramount, which is the sober support network. Mm -hmm. Because in order to implement these things that we're talking about, you need to have people there to help and support you. And being able to do this stuff by yourself, you might be able to do it a few times, whatever, you know, different, depending on who you are, it might might take longer. But eventually, your own willpower will fail you. It, it, it has. Other, otherwise, you wouldn't have ended up in the place you did. And your willpower alone will fail you. Right. But if you have that sober support network, then you can continue to rely on them and they will show up for you. And over time, you will accumulate more, you know, days and experiences acting the way that you want. But it's so important, uh, frankly, I'd say vital to have a sober support network of some kind. Absolutely. What I just thought of was the way this might not be the best example, but I'm thinking of like the government has checks and balances, right, mm-hmm. to keep it, you know, to keep it in check. And that's kind of how and to keep things, you know, all the power, whatever. Anyways, we don't need to get into the details <laughs> that, of that. That analogy went downhill <laughs> super fast. I was like, but mm. the only thing it made me think of is like, all right, I have all of these things on either side, all these people and and tools and and things that I turn to, rely to, that kind of keep me mm-hmm. balanced. Because if I went into several of those situations we're talking about, social situations where I had to explain away my not drinking <laughs> on my own over and over again, eventually I'd say, screw it, I'm just going to have a drink. Totally. So to be able to have people to talk to beforehand and say, okay, I'm going into this, you know, holiday family party or this, you know, social event with work or whatever it may be. I need to come up with a plan. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? I'm very analytical personally. And so I would like to break down, you know, all the possibilities right. of things that could happen and have a plan for it and and know that 
I have a secure idea of what I'm going to say or how what I'm going to do yeah. if, you know, something comes up that that makes me uncomfortable. And then be able to have a plan for afterwards, be able to check in with somebody and, you know, talk about how those situations played out. That's important too, like before and after and if I need to during, you know, have have a support system in place because there's nothing that could ever replace the it's invaluable to be able to have the people who understand this intimately yeah and speak that language where yeah. you can say oh my god you know so and so asked me this question and it made me feel this way and it, to somebody else it may not seem like a big deal but yeah, for like, somebody can totally understand yeah yeah we know how to up. we know how to talk to each other it's amazing that how much that matters it just I, – I was reading um, some text messages from, you know, third party from a friend of mine who was coaching a, a woman who is really struggling with her drinking and all the friends are texting her trying to help and, like, the things that the friends were saying, who you know, aren't in recovery. Like, you're so strong. You're – you know, you can do – Just say no. Yeah, like, <laughs> you just need a fresh yeah. start. Yeah. Like, you just – you know, and I was like, oh, like that. I mean, that stuff makes sense to me. Like, I understand it's not bad advice. It's just, I need play by play. Like, and it is right. And it play by play. And it's so beyond, like, our problem is so beyond that. Like, right. it's so, <laughs> so beyond being strong. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. we have, cr- you know, we're, we're hitting our bottom. Like, the, that is, we're in a different place than like you're really strong. You can get through this. Blah 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 blah. Right. Like, it's like you have this mountain in front of you. Yeah. You have no idea. You I are, always describe it like being like this merry-go-round that I want to get off, and I have no idea how. Yeah. Like it just keeps going around. Yeah. And, and, and you and keep around. kind of like you keep kind of like pushing forward to like okay, I'm going to do it this time. Right. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. I'm going to do it this time. Yeah. The like, ride's you know. going to end. The ride's going to end. No, mm-hmm. it's not. Oh, it's still That's going. That's a great still analogy. Going. Still going. Yeah, it's you're like, oh, it's different this time. Oh, it's different this right. time. This is different. This is different, you know, and it's the same scenarios over and over again. Yeah. And in order to walk through anything, I mean, even now, um, you know, I need specific instructions. <laughs> totally. Somebody. Not totally. like, you can do it. It's yeah. like, okay, so here's exactly how you yeah. are going to walk Bend through your knees. This. Right. Sit down, cross-legged. Right. right. Put your hair up. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like... I would, you know, figure like uh, any any it, the more specific the better, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. it, but I definitely, yeah, I need instructions. Well, more battling like you were talking about at the beginning of this in referring it to, you know, schizophrenia about the, you know, we have a voice that happens to be our own that's talking to us. We are battling mm-hmm. this voice that is telling us that it's okay to drink. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Everybody totally, is overreacting. Everybody's overreacting. Yeah. 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 Drama queens. They have no idea how, you know, how bad it is, how bad life is, how they're making it worse, right. how honestly it's actually their fault oh, yeah. that I'm drinking. If they would just, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z, um, arrange life exactly as I needed it to be, then maybe I wouldn't right. drink. It's so. unfair. This is how, you know... Yeah, it, it, you know, when I, I I remember them telling me that, you know, I remember coming to the realization and through various means that I was an alcoholic and being so relieved because 
that you know I was worried that I was schizophrenic because it, but it, they were like no it's it's your voice in your head to like have an answer. yeah oh my God, <laughs> yeah. I know. yeah yeah I mean it was like oh that's you know that makes sense and you know what I can do without what I've learned to do with alcoholism is alcoholism to me is the voice in my head that gets turned up really loudly and it's always turning itself up yeah so I always have to be doing something to turn it down yeah and it just it's a fight to turn the volume down on that so that the rest of who I am can shine mm-hmm. and the louder that other piece gets, the harder, you know, that that alcoholism piece, that addiction piece gets, the harder it is to hear the rest of who I am yep. and to connect with it because it's just so loud and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I need specific instructions to turn that down. And it's taken me a long time to figure those things out. And I recognize when it's starting to turn up. Yes. I was just about to say that I think one of the biggest gifts in my sobriety has been able, has, has been to be able to distinguish Mm -hmm. the two, one from the other that, right. Okay. That's, that's my, whatever you want to call it, alcoholic voice, ego, Whatever. Yeah, whatever, the, whatever you want it. The, yeah. the piece that ru- ruins my life. How yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. the, the piece where all yeah. of a sudden oh. everybody's an asshole today. Right, and right. Everything like goes wrong. Right. That right. one. Everybody's yeah. an idiot. Everybody yeah. is exactly. ruining my life. And and me realizing, oh, wait, no, I'm the reminding myself I'm the root of all of my problems. Right. And, you know, and that it stems in, in my actions. And I do think that when, when we get to a place where we begin learning the, for me, some of it's hard work and then some of it is really simple. There are some really simple things that I think we can do, um, you know, throughout the day. But I think once we begin to learn those things and once we get that kind of under our belts, things, it does get a little bit easier to quiet Mm -hmm. that, like know what to do to quiet Mm -hmm. that mind. So it doesn't feel like a struggle all the time because I know like I've just sort of reminiscing uh, going back to the idea of like holidays and stuff. I was thinking about just being at home around, you know, alcohol and drinking and stuff and just thinking about how uncomfortable I felt the first couple of times I went home and how each time learning more and more tools and knowing what Mm -hmm. to do, I was able to kind of quiet that voice and quiet that voice Mm -hmm. and quiet, you know, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more each time. Yeah. It took me, I feel like it took me a lot of years of practice before any of it became somewhat automatic. Yeah. And it can still, I can still get really rusty. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, the support network, the ability for me, the ability to go to meetings anywhere, you know, to find a meeting, even if it's somewhere I'm traveling or whatever it is and have that connection so important and to have a long list of phone numbers that I can call. Yeah. Even though I hate in, in the moment, I have zero desire to call anyone. I know. I know that feeling. So... Well, and then sometimes I'll think maybe I'll just text them. But I, I think you have to get to the place where you force yourself to pick up that phone. What are, there's the some ten thousand yes, pound, pound, pound phone. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true. It does feel that way. Mm-hmm. What um, you know, this year with the podcast coming out, with getting married, and you know, a lot of life change. I think you took five years, six I'm years. I'm going to be take. Yeah, I'm like how many years? 
I'm going to be. Oh, I did the podcast on my sobriety oh, birthday. That's right. Yeah, so it'll be seven years in February. Oh my god! How it's it's funny. I've lost track of how old I am. I know. Like I, I know. don't like birthdays. And then I've started to lose track. I mean, yeah, not really, but sort of started to lose track of how many years I've yeah. been sober. Like that's a that's a blessing. That's kind of cool that. It is. It is kind of cool. Okay, I've I've been doing that with 12, 13, 14. I've been like, wait, which? Yeah. How old? Yeah. Then I am starting to forget how old my dog is. <laughs> Maybe either, we're just getting Yeah, like forget. it's either really cool or really moment. not cool. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there's a real problem. Like it's so weird. Right. I guess it's just all right. blending together. So like what have some of the takeaways for – this would be your seventh, you're in your seventh year. Right. What are some of the takeaways for this year for Bain? I suppose um, one of the big things that I've started to realize is that the things that happen in my life happen in most everybody's lives, Mm -hmm. meaning like the struggles, financial struggles, you know, the family stuff of like, paying our bills Mm. and our rent and something breaking in the house and we have to pay, you know, whatever, whatever may come up. But it's, it's funny because I don't know why, why I just recently realized that those things happen for everybody. Mm. And some people just know how to navigate those things and deal with them. And then there are people like me that think somehow those problems are unique to my situation. And, it's unfair and, you know, and I don't know how to deal with it and why is life so hard sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> and just realizing that, hey, that's just life. You know, that's yeah. just there is loss and there is pain and there is hardship and there's also joy and freedom from a lot of things. There's just a lot of emotion and a lot of stuff that comes up in life and knowing that there are tools to walk through all of it is, I think, one of the coolest things and that life is going to keep happening and that there are like, you know, there are just bigger challenges that I think begin to evolve as as life starts to kind of like set in motion, you know, as you become an adult. Like I feel completely unprepared to be an adult, but, <laughs> but here I am, you know, yeah, it's, it's like this. Welcome to parenthood. Right. right. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> we've really, we've really done it this time, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All those things yeah. that I'm like, wait, how is yeah. this happening? I, I, at the dentist for my kids and they're like, well, you know, we have to you know, do this thing and it's going to cost this money and, you know, it'll really help change his facial structure and da, 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 da. And I'm like, wait, I'm in charge of this situation? <laughs> or wait, wait, who are you yeah, talking to? Yeah, what? <laughs> I'm going to pay? Uh, no, no, wait, hold on. This got really serious <laughs> really fast. Oh, my God. I thought we were, why don't we pick out some toys for them? That's right. what I know how to do. Right. Like, what, what are we doing here? I'm making lifelong decisions. This is terrible. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and I I think that, I don't know, It's I'm glad you relate to this. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about when I yeah. say talking to people who understand that, you know, phenomenon. Yeah. I wonder what, I don't know. It's just miraculous to me that, that this, that these life things happen to everybody and that they're... You know, my dad used and I used to talk about this. I would complain about all the things that were going on for me as an alcoholic. And he would say, uh, those happen to everyone. Right. <laughs> and, right. and after a while, I started to realize what it was about those different things that mm-hmm. made it different for me. And what made it different for me was that I have a fatal reaction to everyday problems. Right. And it, 
and not that they don't happen to everyone, but then when they happen to me, <laughs> I think that the world is ending right. and that the solution is to hurt myself with drugs and alcohol right. or give up or just not pay them or <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like right. whatever might is. And so I have these like ridiculously large reactions. That to- aren't always the first reactions. So like I've noticed that it may not always be like my first reaction now may not be to drink and yeah, do yeah, drugs. Yeah. But that's where it's gonna lead if I let oh, yeah. the first oh, yeah. sideways thought. Well, cause now like the the I would say like, you know, if if we're in a queue, if we have a thought queue, right? right? Yes. My mm-hmm. thought queue, like like drinking and drugging is real far away on that list. It's probably it's in it's in the queue. It's in but the it, list. Yeah, it's in there, yeah. but it's really far yes. away. But the ones that are up close to the top are still questionable. Like it's not like <laughs> like it's it, not rational. No, usually. no, and it's like alcoholism when you've been sober. And I use alcohol again. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I use alcoholism like to cover everything, every addictive thing. Right. Um, you know what it does is it creates chaos over and over and over again enough to lead to the only solution being to drink. Right. It's not like. Oh no, I have a big bill. I want to drink. Right. Although, you know, yes. But <laughs> it's like, oh no, I have a big bill. So can't deal with that. Right. I'm just going to Def- throw that away. Definitely going to be putting that in the shredder. Right. Like, you know, that and doesn't then, exist. Yeah. And then it comes back and you're like, wow, persistent. Right. And then Credit Karma is like, why is your score so low? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you can't what move happened? when there's yeah. a. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like, and then it's like, wow, I've really just continued to put myself in this hole or in this situation, but it starts with... Can't possibly get out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, guess I'm going to have to end it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, that kind of stuff that ends up moving all the really crazy ideas up and my reactions, whereas it's like, I think most people stress out about it and then they go and they do a budget and they're like, oh, my God, I can't pay for it. Maybe I should call them. Maybe they wait, wait a month. Right. And they and then they call, you know, like. But they're calling them. Right. Or I would never contact I would creditor. never. It would never <laughs> occur to me that right. with a big bill I should go and look at my finances to figure that out. Right. That's like not step one. No, is it's like unmanageable right away. Oh, immediately. <laughs> I'll never have that money. I right. don't have that money, so I should not even look. Right. Don't look. Have to, I've had to train myself to look at my bank account. And like, because I, I was like the queen of going to the grocery store and like, no backseas, no backseas, no backseas, <laughs> like standing in the line. I'm like, I can't look at my bank account, so I really hope this, you know, goes through. And right. then it says approved. I'm like, oh. Right. You know, like its own little like high or something. But yeah, it's that's not a normal, like logical way of thinking. But it is, it is what's what I have going on. Right, right. And I think that that's that can very, very much be the difference. And I have. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot this year, I suppose. Being an adult, that's what this year has been about is is the real adult things that happen. And I mean, I've spent this last year in a lot of gratitude. I And that's something that it's it's funny when people bring up the topic. It's like, I don't want people to tell me to be grateful. I want to be grateful on my own. Yeah. <laughs> like when well, the topic comes yeah. up, I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah. Let's not talk Let's about Let's not that. talk about that rude. Right. But I... Um, it's it's interesting on Thanksgiving. 
I had some friends over and um, almost totally messed up the turkey. But um, <laughs> but you didn't. But I didn't. It turned out well. <laughs> it turned out okay. But we were going around the table talking about the things that we were grateful for. And I was filled with just overwhelming yeah. gratitude. Yeah. And I thought, why can't I do this every day? Like, what is it about yeah. Thanksgiving that I'm all of a sudden overwhelmed with <laughs> the, gratitude? The turkey came <laughs> out. Okay, that's what. I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> get your blood pressure Thank going. God. Woo! Close call. I am grateful. Oh, God. <laughs> you should hear the story. It's, it's a good one. But, um, yeah, so so having, you know, having that gratitude for the things that I have in my life today, like, that is something – I need to remind myself of more often, you know, remembering that I am just completely blessed just to be sober and to be okay and remind myself that those things, those life things that feel so unmanageable at times and overwhelming and, you know, even down to like, oh my God, I have three loads of laundry and I have to empty the dishwasher. Like that stuff can get to me too. But just knowing that I have the tools and I can walk through whatever it is that life throws my way. Like that's, that's pretty cool. It's true. It's true. I've been going through some enormous stresses lately. And, you know, at the end of the day, the truth is, is I know that what, I know it's going to work out. I know it's going to be fine. Even if I freak out and start crying, even if I throw a temper tantrum, I'm going to get back up and it's going to be okay. And you know, that to me is a skill that I have learned be over and over again when life has presented me with difficult situations. And, right. Um, what a shift. Yeah. Like, That's... yeah. Like what, a, I mean, I have the the attitude like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And, you know, I will whine and complain about it, but I also know that it's going to be okay, that no matter what, it's going to be okay. Right. And, Deep down, I think that piece has changed. That yeah. piece, because I did not know it was going to be okay. I, absolutely. I mean, I had no indication that it was going to be no. okay. There's no, no I didn't know what okay yeah. looked like. Yeah. I didn't know what it felt like. I was yeah. terrified of okay because so I totally, it looks yeah. boring too. Mm-hmm. Turns out, mm-hmm. not boring. No, turns good out it's God. awesome. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot. It's so good. No, it is. It's amazing. And um, you do have to pay your bills though. Yeah. <laughs> Real bummer. Um, you know, I Disclaimer. think the the saying like wanting what you have, yeah, um, instead of you know having what you want. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's something I really try to work on. Like, I have this is stuff. I have stuff that I always wanted. Like, mm-hmm. pay attention to what is Seriously. going on right now. Yeah, I'm always focused, and like, it's really hard not to be because you always have these goals in front of you mm-hmm. that you want to achieve, whether it's at work or personally or school or financially or whatever. And you know, like, if you've always wanted to have kids and you've always wanted to be pregnant, then you get pregnant, and all you're worried about is the baby coming, and then you have, the baby comes. Yeah. And all you're worried about them is getting them in out of diapers. And right. All you're worried, you know, and it's like this time, and I, I've spent a lot of time doing that because there are two of them, but <laughs> like, but I do like I'm like wow, I always wanted all the things that I have right now, and. And, like, if I don't stop and pay attention to that, it's going to pass me by. Isn't that crazy? That, yeah. That sitting in my basement drinking vodka out of a handle in my bathrobe. Right. <laughs> not ever believing that I would have anything that my life resembles today. And then being frustrated half the time, uh-huh. you know, finding myself frustrated uh-huh. because 
things feel stressful or whatever, you know, or life's in session and I have to go here and there and get this done and that done and, you know, whatever it is. And you're absolutely right. We are going to miss the wonderful like miracles and things that are happening in our lives every day if we don't pay attention. Sometimes I make myself miserable because there's so many things that I want to do that I know I'm capable of doing Mm -hmm. and that I know I could do, but there isn't enough time to do all the things that I want to do. And I... Uh, have to reflect back to a time where I knew there were things out there that I wanted to do, but I also knew that I was not capable of doing any of them and that I couldn't show up for anything. Right. Like anything at all. And to come to a place of like, there's too many good things. There's too much for me to do. Right. I know I can do them, but but like learning that next piece of self-care, slowing down. And really for me, you know, Treating my addiction, whether I, you know, alcoholism addiction shows up for me, and I've talked about this a lot, it shows up for me in any way, shape, or form. If Mm -hmm. I do not treat it, it will appear. Oh, yeah. And uh, sometimes even when I do treat it, it appears. And so making that the piece that stays front and center even in all the chaos can be really hard over the course of a long period of time right. staying sober. Right. It's really hard. I mean, I know I haven't been to a meeting in like a week and a half or something, which is a long time for me. And, yep. um, you know, I was traveling and I, I tr- like truly didn't have time. Right. Truly did not. But that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't actually matter. Right. So because if I drink – it all goes away. Right. So like it doesn't matter that I don't have time. I have to find it. Like yeah. I have to say no to something. I have to sacrifice something. Yeah. And that is something that's easy to forget when you're like, well, I've been doing this for almost 14 years. Like one week isn't going to make a difference. Well, one week might make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the trouble that people can find themselves in when the rationale is I'm not going to drink today. Right. And it's, you know, that's not yeah. what matters. What matters is not, and this is what we're the talking about. The insurance policy. Yeah, yeah. It's not just about what your reaction to yeah. this right now. It's what those next thoughts or actions in that queue are going to lead to. Right. Like you're changing up, you know, you're you're taking big risks with right. that, with that. And it feels like week to week, it's not that big of a deal. I've been right. doing this for however long, but... You know, someone once told me, like, the points from yesterday's game do not count in today's game. No, they and, don't. And that's that's kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around because it feels like you never get ahead. But, I mean, in some ways you don't. Right. You just stay on target. Well, it's, I mean, we wake up each day. We, you know, start each day with a certain attitude and each day's a new day. I mean, we can't run in from, you know, yesterday into today. It's It's a totally different thing. And I think it's important to... Just to also take note of the things that make you feel good and your like the practices yeah. that make you feel good. Right. Because, like, does this make me feel good? Right. Be- <laughs> because shocking revelation that I right. literally never paid attention to that. Like, no, definitely doesn't, but clearly been doing it for 10 years. Right. And I think, okay, so maybe I'm not going to drink today, but I feel really irritable and annoyed and mad at everybody today. So like that doesn't feel cool. And I want to do something to change that. And for me, like engaging in some of the tools that I have, like exercise and going to a meeting, like the things that I know I need to do to keep myself, you know, sort of my head screwed on somewhat straight. 
I have to do those things because I also don't like I don't the great thing about where I am now is that it feels less and less comfortable to feel uncomfortable. Totally. So like the chaos Which and makes the, feeling uncomfortable so uncomfortable. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz you're like, "No, no, no, no. I have decided I don't want to do this right. and you are ruining the plan." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting mad at everybody. Yeah, exactly. I'm yelling. I, yeah. I've gone to three meetings and I'm still uncomfortable. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, but you have to adapt. I mean, one of my mentors, he said, you know, you got to up, you have to update, you know, you update your computer, you update, you know, you change as life changes. Like you have to update your recovery. Your recovery mm-hmm. at one year is not the same as it is at 10 years. But many people, and I was doing this, do the same, have the same recovery plan. It right. looks the same at one year, at, at you know, at 10 years as it did at one year. Right. And like, is your plan, is your recovery updated, right. up to date? And, you know, I actually spent some time thinking about that. And I find that it's more, I have to be more willing now than I was then because back then I didn't have much to sacrifice. There wasn't much sacrifice. I had nothing going on single. in my life. <laughs> exactly. I, there was nothing I was like really – like I, I could easily make it work. There was right. a social aspect that was, you know, good and I was so desperate. Like the yeah. desperation was not that far behind me, you know. So there were so many components to that whereas now – you know, I don't, that desperation is a long, you know, long gone. And it's about the, the, you know, the perception shift. It's like getting, getting into a place where we are able to, that sideways thinking and we're able to shift that thinking, you know, because when we talk about shifting thinking, right? Like, I think one of the things that comes up for me is like, okay, well, if I could just change my thinking, like I wouldn't have this problem. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about shift, shifting thinking, I mean, I can, makeup. I mean, I, I know right. where you're going, but can you talk about like what it is that allows you to do that or how you do that like logistically? So I think it, it, it has to do with, I'll just try and use like a concrete example. So today I was thinking about all of the laundry I have to do and how it's making me feel overwhelmed to be surrounded by laundry Mm -hmm. and dishes. And like, sure, maybe I'm not going to drink over my laundry and dishes, but it makes me feel incredible. It makes me feel like life is becoming unmanageable Mm -hmm. because I have all these other things to do. And then I start blaming my husband who's not home or involved in any way and mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, you know, it's it's somehow his fault or he plays a part in this, yeah. right? Yeah. That I have to text him and let him know that the only thing we are doing tomorrow night is laundry and need to control the situation and right. somehow place a little bit of blame on right. him so he not feels, It's not in a, like, nice request way. No. Like, hey, you want to hang out, listen to right. Christmas carols, yeah, let's have, make some hot right. cocoa and do some laundry tomorrow <laughs> night? <laughs> It's like doomsday. We're yeah, doing yeah. laundry. Guess what you're right. doing tomorrow night. Better clear the calendar, right. bud. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's like life is not looking yeah. good over here. Yeah. So you Sad face. Right. <laughs> so I start to place blame on others for the way that I am feeling about a situation, right? So this is all about the way that I am looking at this particular situation. This okay. has nothing to do with reality, right? Like nobody like Okay, so walk me through the change of thinking. Well, my change of thinking is number one, like pausing. So I have a really hard time pausing in situations. <laughs> I usually have full like, steam ahead. Yeah. Situation yeah. react. Yeah. And sometimes involved like 
I can't say every single time that I'm great at pausing and doing this on my own. And so where, for example, going to a meeting is really helpful to me, it's not necessarily that I'm going to a meeting just to stay sober. My point is, is that I'm going to a meeting to have an opportunity to pause Mm. And listen to other people talk about the ways that they're thinking and the things Uh, that they're doing to stay sober. And all of a sudden, I have this opportunity to open my ears and hear solutions and tools. And and not directed at you either. Exactly. About their own lives. Yeah. It's not somebody saying, you need to do this. Right. Exactly. So for me, like meetings are really helpful. So when I find myself, oh, interesting, I am blaming situations that are nobody's problem or just are, you know, are here because we exist and we wear clothes every day and we Mm. have to wash them. (laughs) Like, it's just part of life. (laughs) Right. And, you know, so I have to find ways to, to stop that train of thought and realize like, hey, okay, so I'm a part, I'm a part of, you know, I'm a part of this process of household duties and all of that kind of stuff. And maybe we can come up with a plan to, you know, do laundry, like you said, do laundry together tomorrow night or, you know, come up with some way to make it a bit more manageable. Maybe I, you know, have a laundry night where it doesn't pile up towards the end of the week and then I'm feeling like, you know, totally right, out of control. Yeah. So I know for me, like the meeting thing is super helpful going to the gym to just blow off that steam. Like for me, when the energy starts to get high and I go to the gym, all of a sudden, like nothing's any problem Mm -hmm. anymore because the endorphins are pumping, you know, the adrenaline's going. And then I feel like, okay, I can breathe. So sometimes just even distracting myself because if I sit there and I stare at the laundry that is making me feel overwhelmed or this, you know, the situation that's making me feel overwhelmed, if I'm sitting there and obsessing over it, it's going to get worse. I'm going to blame more people. And then many times I'm going to hurt people's feelings. I, you know, can potentially hurt relationships. And the laundry is kind of like code for lots of things. Right, 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 right. So, you know, I can begin to point the finger at everybody else and very soon make people feel uncomfortable as a result. And then people don't want to be around you when you're like that. So, you know, there are a lot of different things that I have to try and do to, like, stop. And I think over time we can learn to, like, hey, when I notice that I can feel the energy rising from my stomach up to my heart into my throat where it feels hot and I feel, you know, anxious and frustrated and I feel that energy happening, I can just say pause and then I can go listen to a five-minute meditation. Mm -hmm. And I have to realize that most things that feel like a really big deal, like, aren't a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I this is super morbid, but um, I, I was reading this story of this woman who, she had this three-year-old toddler who, like, was Houdini and could always get out of his car seat, always get out of his car seat. And she tried zip ties, <laughs> like she oh tried, gosh, she wow. tried stuff that probably would, you know, land her in jail and try, just trying to like keep him, keep safe. him alive. She had, yeah. yeah, she had a bunch. She had several other kids, and she was driving her suburban on this like windy road. And he got out of his seat, and she didn't know. And there was a rock slide, <gasps> and pushed oh the gosh. car off the side. Long story short, everyone survived, but this oh, the no. toddler. And she wrote this article that I read that was basically – and I read it when the kids were really little. And she wrote this article about how, like, I wish I had let him watch TV for five minutes longer. I wish Mm. I had let him – when he wanted to change his pajamas, like, 
I didn't fight him on it because I had already pulled those out. Like all the things that didn't matter. Right. That she spent time arguing and yeah. fighting over. And, and, and she made a point to say like not the things that, you know, teach people how to be respectful human beings, like sure. not, not that, but she was talking about the little things. And I can't tell you how many times I find myself doing stuff like that, whatever it is, whether it, whether it's with my kids, my husband, and that story flashes through my mind of like, would this matter if they died tomorrow? Yep. Would this matter? And the answer is no. Right. It wouldn't. Right. It wouldn't matter. And when I, you know, for me, it had to be some like God awful story, but it really helps me put it into perspective of what matters. Right. And like, okay, like that is not important. And is this a big deal? Will it will matter? Is it going to matter in five years? Mm-hmm. Is it going to matter in two years? 25 Twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 24-hour rule can be helpful. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time it's not. Yeah. It's not going to matter. And then opposite action is another one. Like mm-hmm. when my husband, you know, I feel like everything is his fault and I'm doing everything and blah, 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 blah. You know, sometimes I do opposite action, which is so hard, but um, where I'll like thank him for all the things he has done, like acknowledge so him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah. it is like... Yeah. I'm not even That's sure. That's a good one. I I'm like not even that. sure I'd do a great job at it, but I was just like, hey, I just want you to know I'm really grateful for you and like all the things that you do. And I so appreciate I'm your help. S- I'm de- definitely using that. And Oof. Josh will thank you. It, yeah, he will. But you, it makes yeah. him want to be more helpful. Right. Which is what I need. Right. So then I can go and and so now I've been saying like, well, I just do everything and like I can't, you know, the kids, I blah, 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 blah. Like I've been major, major victim mode and I made a to-do list for my husband to do to like help on the things. And a lot of the things were like stuff I didn't trust him to do. Right. And I gave him those things to do, like call and make the dentist appointment, give them all the right information, tell them what's going on, call, make the this appointment, call, blah, blah, blah. Like I gave him the stuff that I would normally be very protective of because he was going to do it wrong. Right. And he did an, an amazing job. And not only did he do an amazing job because he did all the stuff. Yay. He did an amazing job and he is now connected to those issues around our children. So he right. doesn't feel like locked out right the way and so when we have conversations well it involves him more too right yeah when we have conversations about it like he is now aware and I don't feel like I'm spoon feeding him like what's going on with the kids right like he now knows and the woman there was like oh I talked to your husband he gave me all the information we already have it because I I showed up with my card and right she's like oh your husband already gave it to us you know and I just never try like I never believed it. I don't I mean, not that that's rocket science, but like right. that's about me and control and it's not going to get done right and whatever. And so I become this victim of all of the things that I'm doing when really like. Well, and it's our problem from the beginning right. because it's like if we, I struggle with the same thing. It's like if I need to control everything because somehow <laughs> that makes me feel like right. it's going to get done right, right. But then I'm complaining that I'm doing everything. Exactly. Then that's my issue. Well, and, and and he, my husband once said to me, you know, I said, I'm doing everything. I research everything. I spend hours and hours and like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, Ash, if the things I, when I do research things and bring them to you, you, you go and double check them and research them again. Right. And I'm like, wow, that is absolutely true. Yeah. You know, like you, you, like why, 
why am I, why should we do double the work if you are going to do it anyway? Right. You know, and, and like, oh, okay. And just really getting honest Mm -hmm. about, I think that's like the piece of it is getting honest about what's going on. Right. And you don't necessarily have to tell them all of this. Right. But if you're honest with yourself about like, okay, I'm feeling like a victim. Have I asked for help? Have I delegated? What's reality? Yeah. What what <laughs> what do I need to do to feel differently? Yeah. What do I need? What would make me feel supported? That's mm-hmm. that's another conversation we have. Like, what would you like me to do? What would make you feel okay? Right. And when I sometimes I think about that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I I don't know. Nothing. Right. I can't think of anything. Right. It's like, oh, no wonder nothing you do is working. <laughs> like yeah. there isn't anything that could be done. But yeah. that never occurred to me. So like walking through all those different thought patterns and then just acting my way into new thinking. That is so vital for me. Like they talked about when when I first got sober, smart feet. My feet take me to meetings. My feet, you know, where are my feet? They're in the kitchen. They're in this podcast booth. Okay, my body is here. Being connected to my body and doing the next indicated thing. Like, okay, what does a sober woman do next? Uh, What, you know, like just even even if every fiber of my being was not interested or going for the wrong reasons or whatever, if I kept going, if I acted my way into new thinking, if I said a prayer, even though I didn't believe, yeah, um, the process of doing that over and over and over again created a thought pattern that has allowed me to have a new, different life. Yeah. And I know for myself, if I'm not able to, if nothing's changing with the things that I'm able to do immediately... Again, picking up the phone and telling somebody the story, because usually it's a story. Mm -hmm. It's many times not reality. It's usually a story that I've created about, you know, the thing that's happening. And being able to share that with somebody and somebody mirroring back to me what I'm experiencing and then also explaining to me, you know, the the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I can't see it. Totally. Sometimes I need somebody to say, okay, so here's what's actually happening. Right, right. Because like, I'm so blinded by my emotion right. connected to it. And so having somebody explain to me yep. what the reality is, it's like, oh, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> well when you put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. and, and and I can see it for other people, but often not for myself. Oh, absolutely. Like, which is very frustrating. Crystal clear for other people. <laughs> Crystal clear. Usually people yeah. in my home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crystal yeah. clear. Yeah. But it is, um, it's harder to see for yourself. So I think, you know, to kind of wrap up with like, if you're struggling during the holidays, if that is, you know, I think this, all of this stuff is applicable to holidays. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it, this stuff, like, check your emotions, check in with yourself. What are you feeling? Uh, highly recommend as much as you may think this is stupid or res- resisted or how could that possibly help? Highly, highly recommend um, doing some writing, free writing, like, uh, what a, with a prompt, like, Right now I'm feeling dot, dot, dot. And then just write for, you know, 10 minutes or, you know, write four lines with the option to write more. Commit to somebody. Uh, You can read it to somebody. You cannot read it to somebody. But I highly recommend that. Checking in with your emotions. Asking someone in your support network for feedback. Um, What do we talk about? Coming up with a plan. Yep. Yep. I think um, making sure that you have plan, you know, an escape plan. For oh yeah, <laughs> for certain situations, have that Uber on uh, front and center. That's right, and yep. um, and I think identifying like if if we are traveling for the holidays, like identifying 
what are my support systems there? So knowing that, because I, I get very, I know for myself when I'm here, I can go down the street at whatever time to go to a meeting or I know I can call whoever and they're going to be available because I know their schedule. Yes. Identifying that stuff beforehand. Like if you're going to be visiting people, map it out. What does it look like? And I will say, you know, just that point on that point, which is that at many, many years of sobriety, while I was traveling and I underestimated the safety I had built at home. It feels a lot different. I, and it feel and and I thought I had I thought my recovery was way stronger than it was because I built up this safety net at home. And when I left that safety net, I was very, very unprotected and at many, many years of sobriety almost yeah. drank. Don't underestimate um, that. And and had and did not see it coming. Yeah. Did not see it coming. So I highly recommend, even if you have a long time sober or not, even if you feel strong in your recovery, do not underestimate the fact that you a lot of people feel you strong. You feel wonky yeah, yeah, very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. If you are not home with the, the same meetings, the same people, the same routine, mm-hmm. it is you'd be amazed at how much of that is protecting you and that when you get out of that, you can really go sideways. Right. Yeah. I, I completely identify with that and agree. And I think that's all the more reason Mm -hmm. to do that, like, game plan. It's like even if you don't end up needing all of it, you might as well have it all in place Yep. because I think it's better to be prepared. It's your parachute. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am so grateful that you came back to talk to us. I'm so grateful to be here anytime. And um, that your podcast was such a success. and so much fun. It helped a lot of people. I know that. Um, People shared that. And um, I look forward to having you back next year. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me again. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, would like to thank our sponsor, Lion Rock Recovery, for their support. Lion Rock Recovery provides online substance abuse counseling where you can get help from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast. Subscribe and join our podcast community to hear amazing stories of courage and transformation. We are so grateful to our listeners and hope that you will engage with us. Please email us comments, questions, anything you want to share with us, how this podcast has affected you. Our email address is podcast at lionrockrecovery.com. We want to hear from you. 